Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Tour de France podcast, episode number eight. Uh, number eight already. And before we start, I remind you that you can actually download or stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral, from our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or from the lovely sponsors we have, Zwift. They've scheduled some rides for you, especially for you. In the program today, coming up later on, we'll talk to our chief engineer, the chief technician here at SBS, and you'll learn just how long does it take for the signal, for the image, for the picture, for the sound to come from France all the way to your lounge. That's coming up after the first part of this podcast. And I, my co-host today is not others, and he's getting used to this podcast, actually. And we, and we like that he's getting used to it. It's Dave McKenzie. Hey, Dave. It is great to be back. This is, I'm loving it. Once again, you were missing in action yesterday, uh, and then but you're back here. Well, you know what might have happened just quietly? We're in a wine region. Say no more. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, another one in the kitty for Kittel. Yeah, I like the play on words there. Look, he's uh, look a K and a half out. I said Kittle will win because he had all the teammates at the front. And when he won the day before, he didn't actually have all of his teammates there. And he came from about eighth, eighth position. But, gee, when confidence is up, it's pretty hard to be beaten, isn't it? We had to wait for the photo. I mean, how tight was this? It looked tight, didn't it? And, uh, wow, Edval Vars and Hagen. I mean, what a ride by him. He, he went from long range the day before. That certainly didn't pay off because he ended up in 13th position. So great ride by him. And Michael Matthews as well. I think special mention. He had a good ride as well. He's been there, Matthews. On every sprint, he's, he, was, he was there. He was placed. Yeah, look, it's exactly what I've... I think I've said, he, he's just got to chip away at it and he can't throw the towel in, which he isn't, but it can sometimes be disheartening. And when he's not a pure sprinter, he's, he's probably always going to be beaten on the flat, flat sprints. Saying that, though, deep into the second and third week of those, when there is a transitional or a flat stage, you know, he's a stronger type of rider than sprinters. So that was, I think that was a really telling sign uh, for him and moving forward. Another rider that was there all the way to the end is Christoph. Uh, how do you rate him this, uh, this year? Well, plenty of banter online. Unfortunately, the legs haven't been doing the talking for him, have they? And uh, he's been talking about his contract discussions online. Uh, he's is, a, is that right? I mean, is that, is, that, is that even correct? Well, if it's coming from him, yeah. I, if, if that's what he wants, if he wants to talk about that he's looking at three or four different teams... Uh, fine uh, you know it's interesting i was chatting to the norwegian uh, television crews who are here they have a couple of big crews here and they said wow he's, he's very open he doesn't hold back at all when we interview him so they love it and i'm like damn i wish we had an aussie like that <laughs> hear, hear them out hear them out <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh, what happened to demar because uh, it looks like the fdg was doing a very good lead to him and then all of a sudden they sort of missed the train and then he was all over pretty much from uh, 500 meters i don't know yeah that, that's a good question he uh yeah, he just got lost. He got lost in traffic, didn't he? And um, he, I, think he, I think there was just one key point, whether it was that last corner or the, the, the peloton maybe just eased slightly and he was on the wrong side of that peloton easing and then he got swamped on the other side. I think that's all I can put it down to because, uh, look, he had to fight through the gaps uh, the day before, but he was way too far back. And, and again, a K out, I'm ha- well, I'll, I'll brag about it. I called it. I said, he's not going to win. He was too far back. 
Jeez, you're bragging, you're bragging mate. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm scraping the barrel. <laughs> Don't expect too much more after today. Uh, but to, to carry on on Demar, uh, he also had a bit of a scuff with, uh, with Buani, 1K to go. Uh, Buani just came at him and just like knocked the shoulder off. Is that just to tell him, I'm here, mate? Are you a, are you a Demar fan? Because you really, you really, come on. Well, up, up to now he was in green, and then today he's not in green anymore. Kittel won that green, but uh, of course I, uh, I want to follow him. But yeah, that was weird. That uh, when he came in and he just had a bit of a shoulder to shoulder, he looked like he was just wanting to tell him, "Don't forget, I'm here, mate." Yeah, and you know what? If you're right, everything you're saying, and I believe you, Buhani, there's ten other sprinters. Forget about trying to win the French Cup. Think about trying to win a stage of the Tour de France. I think that's the problem. He get, he get, he's getting fixated on Demar, yeah. and and at the end, he's, no, he's never here. He was frustrated when Demar had his first stage win, wasn't he? I think he said it in the press. He, he said something along those lines. And yes, you're allowed to be disappointed, but move on. Uh, just to recap, another win in the kitty for Kittel. He bags himself the green jersey. At the same time, yellow is still on the shoulders of Christopher Froome. King of the Mountain is still uh, is still Aru, and the white jersey is still on the shoulders of Simon Yates. Okay, we take a short break and straight after this, we'll talk about technical stuff. We'll learn just how long does it take for the picture that is happening on the roads of France to reach your lounge in wherever you are in Australia. But that's coming up straight after this. Don't go anywhere. When Zwift first started, we had but a few short kilometres you could ride. Now Zwift has almost 100 unique kilometres of road with a seemingly endless variety of routes you can take around the world. And they're always adding more roads to ride. And the roads are really cool too. There's the streets of London where you can pass by Parliament or Harold's. There's the roads of Watopia which take you through underwater tunnels and through a volcano. Or you can even ride the Richmond 2015 UCI World Championships course. That's my favourite. Can't wait to see what they add next. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. We are, we are with Jan here. He's one of the guys responsible for uh, all the stuff that is happening behind the scene and enabling you guys to actually watch the Tour de France, watch the images in your lounge. Hi, Jan. Hi, So, pretty big role, uh, pretty big job, because uh, relatively a big responsibility. Tell us about your job. Well, uh, Freelance is providing um, SBS, all the facilities and crews on site here uh, at the, on the finish line of, the, of each stage of the tour to be able to be live <laughs> on the finish line, but also to provide all the facilities for the um, SBS crew to send their reports and uh, the facilities to, to cut the pictures, to edit, and uh, for you, the viewers of SBS, to, to see the pictures back to Sydney. If we have uh, just a typical uh, number, typical uh, uh, facts about how and, and what's happening behind the scene, first of all, but in, in the truck, it's a bit of a, it's a hub where everybody has a bit of noise and so on. But from the image being here in, on the road to the lounge in Sydney, how long does that take? So the signal comes from the SBS camera, stand-up position, which is at the, at the finish line, goes to the truck, what I call the train station, <laughs> and from there it goes over satellite, on European satellite, and then further on several satellite, satellite to reach Sydney, which is the other side of the world, and it takes about four to six seconds. So each time you see Tomo talking, he talked about six seconds earlier. <laughs> Still, it's amazing, six seconds to cross the world. Yeah, well, there, there are two routes. One route is a satellite route, goes um, east from Europe to Asia over satellite. And the second route, uh, which is our backup route, goes over London and then take a cable fi fiber through the Atlantic 
further to Los Angeles and then further through the Pacific up to uh, Australia. Is one faster than the other? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the, the, the logistics, because you guys are packing up every night. And so tell us about a, a typical day for you. A typical day is about uh, 20 hours on 24. Um, the truck drivers dr arrive on location about uh, 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. We have to park the truck. It's a huge 40-ton truck with two sliding parts to give a lot of space for the, for the crew. Um, six o'clock we park, uh, we get the electricity for the generators, and then we can open the truck, we set up everything inside. Uh, we are ready at nine, then we set up uh, the stand-up position, the studio, which is on the, on the roadside at the finish. So it's where the, the people see Tomo and Maka and these guys are commentating just on the side of the, the finish line every day. Exactly. Then we can, uh, when we are live, we can mix uh, between our camera, where you see Tomo, Maka, um, and all the good SBS crew, with the um, French TV uh, live coverage. And then, when when it's finished to uh, set up, we can be live. It's about uh, 12:30 here in Europe, 8:30 p.m. in back to Australia, and then uh, we do the first live, and then the stage begin live. Then we do all the coverage with the two commentators in the in the commentary positions and then we do the after stage live and then it's again time for us to really work we have to pack everything it takes two to three hours to roll hundreds of meters of cable uh, to pack the truck to pack the editing uh, facilities and to close the truck and we take the road we hit the road at uh, something like 9 or 10 p.m and we drive all night Till we arrive uh, at the next uh, finish line. Do you sleep at some point? Well, we, we have a camper. In, in August? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a camper. So we, we, are, we are sleeping in a camper, three of us. So when we drive, two are sleeping and one is driving and then we can swap the position. Then we, we sleep, I mean, I would say between three to five hours per night. And we have time during the live uh, in the afternoon to have a rest time. So most of the time we have one hour to sleep for a nap. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge other than kicking the crew out of the bus, out of the truck every night? Well, uh, the, our, our goal is really to, to be on air on time because the, the, the logistical process is so complicated to, to manage every day. Then, uh, I mean, it's really an everyday challenge to be live, uh, to find a position, to park the truck, to find a position for the camera and to draw all these cables, uh, to get the satellite connection, to, guide, to get the, the um, uh, telephone line to be in contact with the st uh, studio in Sydney. I mean, all this, all this amount of uh, process we have to uh, complete is such huge that we're already on time but it's always a, 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 a run against the hour to <laughs> to be ready and it's not because you've done it perfectly one day that the next day will be easy yeah you never know i mean the the truck is driving uh, on on some complicated roads sometimes in the mountains so the the equipment inside is um, is well packed but you never know it could be uh, shocked and then uh, we can have a technical issue So everything is uh, is uh, safe, and we have spare equipment because we don't have any chance to get spare equipment on on the route of the of the tour. So that's a everyday challenge, technically, and for also the the people because it's uh, it's odd and it's a tough job uh, physically and uh, mentally. And last question: uh, If you look at the route of the tour this year, have you pinpoint stages that will be difficult? Isoar might also be a quite a complex one. Am I right? Yes, well, um, we live day by day, 
I don't know where we go tonight. <laughs> I haven't opened the book yet because it's, uh, as I said, it's a daily challenge. Um, we know that uh, some uh, stages are more difficult, but we get all the information from the organization ISO. It's well organized, so they, they help us uh, parking, driving, and they give us the day before all the information to be on site on time and to be ready for the on-air program. Thanks, Jan. Welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. When Zwift first started, we had but a few short kilometres you could ride. Now Zwift has almost 100 unique kilometres of road with a seemingly endless variety of routes you can take around the world. And they're always adding more roads to ride. And the roads are really cool too. There's the streets of London where you can pass by Parliament or Harold's. There's the roads of Watopia which take you through underwater tunnels and through a volcano or you can even ride the Richmond 2015 UCI World Championships course. That's my favourite. Can't wait to see what they add next. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Uh, welcome back to the Zwift uh, Tour de France podcast, and uh, Maka is still with me. Are you okay, Maka? It is good to be back, and uh, what a lovely morning we've got. It's incredible. That weather is just too, too, it's too hard for people back home. You know, like when you just uh, post tweets and stuff, people go, shut up. Uh, I know, I know. It's, uh, Tomo did it on the uh, live broadcast the other day, and I was like, easy, Tiger. We, you know, we'll, we'll, people start switching off, throwing tomatoes at their screen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right, uh, tonight we're going to uh, Station des Rousses, proper mountaintop finish. Um, and uh, we start from Dole. Uh, it's a stage that is quite uh, spread as well. We have uh, one category three, one second category, and towards the end, a first category. What do you make of that stage? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say a, a, a fairly loose quote, so not exact word for word from Richie Port, though. But he said, yeah, it's a funny one, that one. He said, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that stage in the Tour de France. And I'm looking at the map thinking, what is it? What, yeah, what's, what's so different about this? And it's not the first time that they've been uh, at this summit finish, is it, in the Tour de France? But I'm, I'm thinking he's referring maybe to the course that leads up to that. So as you just pointed out, a Cat 3, Cat 2 prior to that, nothing major, but, but it is the first, well, not the first, it's the second mountain stage after what we had in the Vosges uh, Mountains. What I mean major is the one in the Vosges was a climb, uh, uh, like one we say, climb. one climb, five or six K. This is several climbs, that's a proper yeah. mountain stage. That's right. It's a proper mountain stage. Um, so I'm intrigued, though, with what Port's comments from that, what he, mean, what he meant, you know, and he's done enough Tour de France's to, to, to know what they're about. So it'll be interesting. Do you think that's one he's been pointing to, uh, to attack and maybe climb back a bit more to us from? Maybe, maybe. I think there's real mind games going on with Sky and BMC, real mind games. And uh, the more the media, and dare I say accentuate it, uh, the more they are actually accentuating it, if that makes sense, or the more they are actually playing the mind games to each other because you cannot tell me that all nine riders and director sport ifs and team managers are not reading the social media pages. Some of them might not be, but some of them would be. So it, some, some of this stuff that's being written would eat away at them. I mean, at least someone does some, uh, some analysis on those social media. And do you think that drives the strategy on some of the teams? I don't think so, no. No, no, not, no. not at all. It'd be crazy if it did, or they'd be crazy if it did. I, I meant what other teams are saying on social media and the way, the way they play. I'm not saying the general public. I'm yes. saying what BMC is putting out. Does, uh, do you think that targets skies and vice versa? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think so. There's probably a little bit of that. There's a little bit of, you know, it's toing and fro isn't it it's toing and froing and and that's what we've seen with team sky and amc and 
a few of the other teams are probably sitting back. I mean, Movistar, you know, they, they never give us anything, Movistar, do they? They give us nothing. Come on, Espanoles, give us something. We can, we can actually translate from Spanish. <laughs> we have to tell them. We can translate from Spanish. Yeah. Give us some stuff. Yeah, that's right. Come on, it's all right. Espanol, también, my baby. So uh, who do you see at the top of the mountain uh, going first on, the, on that stage? Jeez, oh, you ask that tough question, don't you? I mean, I, you know, the, the answer is none of us know the answer to that, the short answer. Um, I don't think it will be Froome and I don't think it will be Port because I think they hit the top of the climb and then it's still a few kilometres. It's still actually eight kilometres from that top of the category one, 11.7 kilometres, to the finish line. So I think we'll actually see an opportunist that might jump away. Um, so whoever goes top, maybe in a sort of groupetto at the top, might have the chance to just take an opportunity on it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, who's the Frenchman who was fourth on the Giro d'Italia? He's, I think, he, uh, for, for Francais de Jeu, who's here. Pinot, Pinot, Thibaut Pinot. He hasn't been great so far. No, but he's not, and, and absolutely, and he's not going to be great. He's not going to be, he's not going to aim for podium. He's not aiming for podium. He said that before the beginning. But I think he'd dearly love to win a stage, and I think this could be a day for him because he's, he's taken it easy in the first week of the Tour de France. So I think he'll look to try and jag a stage early. What about Bardet, the other uh, Frenchman? Yeah, possibility, but, you know, come on, can't we just pick one Frenchman? I think that's enough. Come on. <laughs> Do we have enough with one Frenchman? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? You've been starved of it. What was it? 90? It was 85 because Greg LeMond won in 86. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So 86 because Fignon won in 84. That's a, that's a bit, you know what that's a bit like, and uh, this, is, this is for mainly Victorians, but it's a bit like the Richmond Football Club, the team I go for in AFL football. I don't, the last premiership they won was 1980, so I, I understand your feelings. <laughs> is that your salt you're rubbing in my wound? <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Well, it's been great to having you uh, on the podcast. So uh, the, the stage uh, is going to be an interesting one tonight. So really tune in. And we have a nice finish. So uh, stay up and stay, uh, stay awake. Maybe feed yourself on tour snacks or whatever. Well, well, speaking of food, tour snacks, what will we be eating at the finish line? What's the, what's the local cuisine? I don't know, but I reckon there's some cheese in it. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Never can, can never have too much cheese. Say no more. <laughs> Thanks, Maka. Cheers. Thank you. And this is it for us today. That was a lovely uh, episode, actually. This is episode eight with uh, the content we had today. Next podcast will be available like every podcast we do on this Cycling Central for the Tour de France tomorrow morning. And of course, you can download and stream through SoundCloud and you can also uh, go to the SBS website, sbs.com.au slash central, or hit our lovely friends at Zwift. Now, on behalf of the whole team working on this podcast and actually the whole team at SBS working really hard under the heat to make sure you enjoy the Tour de France back home, it's au revoir for now. À demain. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast every day of the 2017 Tour de France. You can ride and listen to this podcast by joining SBS Group Rides on Zwift. Guys, go and check it out today. Visit Zwift.com to learn more.